Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Today we have myself, Mitch DeWitt, and we also have Jonathan Jordan in the booth here today. And we are going to talk about planning for a child with special needs. This is actually a request that came in from a client and listener. And the, the question was about, for families with special needs children... Not only are there increased care needs, but what are some of the insurance planning that you have to do? What are some of the resources available? And we wanted to just get on this podcast and take that concept and deliver it to, to you, the audience, and hopefully it can be of value to you, your family, your friends, et cetera. So we also wanted to have John specifically in here because John has experience with this, not only as an advisor and helping his clients through some of these types of issues, but he also has a, a very personal story related to this as well. So I want to introduce John. A lot of you guys already know John, but I want to introduce John here and talk a little bit about his experience with increased care costs and just some of the planning that goes around having a child with special needs. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. And uh, yeah, when you say it's personal, it, it is something that we've experienced uh, as parents having uh, our third child born unexpectedly with a rare disorder called Sturge-Weber syndrome. And one of the things that I remember the most is that I had no clue coming into it, you know, that he had that he had anything that was going to affect him um, physically or cognitively. So we were completely surprised and we had done zero planning for it. And it fundamentally changed our lives financially. It changed my career path and it changed the way that I that I viewed kind of planning for the future. So it's become something that's important to me, even in going to become a certified financial planner, is really, you know, specifically looking at how can we plan for for the future of families that have children who have long-term diseases or disorders or chronic conditions. So, so in in our in our case, um, in our in our case, like our son is is you know gonna he's never gonna get better, but he's doing well but we've been able to benefit from some great resources in the state of Wisconsin. And, and there are some things that you could do with state planning wise too. Yeah. And some of these concepts will apply to, to anybody in any state potentially, but then to John's point, there are some state specific resources as well. And John can go into some of the programs and things that are available there. But some of these, when we're talking just general estate planning, that could apply to, to you no matter which state you're in. So John, could you tell us a little bit about some of the local programs not only just Medicaid, but some of the programs that are available for those that might not qualify for some of the Medicaid programs. Well, when we first started, we were introduced through Birth to Three program, which helped, and they sent people to our house that worked with our family, worked with our child. Um, you know, it's occupational therapy stuff. There was a, there was all sorts of you know things that they were doing. But when he got older, it kind of didn't have anything. And someone uh, that I just ran across, I think you know, I was out shopping and we were just having a conversation and they asked, Hey, have you ever heard of the Katie Beckett program? And I had never heard of it. And so did some research. They said, you should look into this. And part of the issue was, is that we had health insurance, but much of what Jake's costs for his hospital stays or his MRIs or his CAT scans or EEGs that he was having would not get covered. And that especially. was some private insurance, private insurance. Yeah. And it wasn't getting covered. So, they would cover the first one, and then if he needed another one, we would have to pay the bill. And it was extraordinary amount. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. And what the Katie Beckett program uh, allowed for us to do is to apply every year to be able to get 
um, the, the coverage and the Medicaid coverage that uh, that other children would get if they if you're financially you know met the the thresholds but because I was working and we made too much money and there was private insurance involved we weren't able to get help until the Katie Beckett program so it's not based off of my income level or assets it's based off of the assets and, and uh, of, of the child and that's where uh, the, the planning comes in you know to make sure that how you have things titled and how you you plan for their future um, it needs to be in a way that's advantageous to them if something were to happen to you as the primary caregiver or your spouse um, if something happened where they no longer had that income or that help you know any of those assets would be depleted down first before they got any program help um, from Medicaid and there are a myriad of, of great resources available out there but that's part of that planning side of it so we got them into the Katie Beckett Foundation or Katie Beckett program I think it's changed its name over the years and every year we have to requalify for this so, so they look at eligibility again. They're looking at assets. They're saying, "Do you qualify? Is is, they, is Jake eligible?" And it's, it's 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 always there's they've never it hasn't been anything asset wise or income wise. It's always had to do with w- whether or not um, he qualified based on his health history and his pro- progression of his disease. Or you know, some children are might go through something for a couple years, but then they get better. So it's a year to year program eligibility. And and even with so Jake, do you mind? Sharing how old Jake is. Jake's going to be 13 this week. He's told me this morning, eight days until his birthday, because we're leaving for vacation today, and we're going to be gone during his birthday, and he's counting down the days. So oh. he'll be a teenager. That's awesome. That's crazy. Wow. Jake's going to be a teenager. Yep. Okay. He's, yeah, he's re- he's ready to he's ready to become a teenager, but I don't know if, uh, if, if, if he's really ready to become a teenager. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is because, when it comes to eligibility, right, with this Katie Beckett program, part of it is is Jake's age, right? So he's still obviously under under 19 if he's 12 going on 13 here. So that's part of it. But part of the planning comes with once Jake becomes an adult, right, then what happens? Because legally he'll be an adult, but he'll still need care, right? And so could we talk a little bit about, okay, what happens at that point in time and, and what are some of the things that you and Ellen have done in preparation of, of, you know, it's the next really six years until that point, five, six years until that point comes. Well, once he's an adult, then he'd be able to enroll in the state programs or be, you know, enrolled on behalf because of his age. And that's where it's key to make sure that, you know, assets and income that, that are attributed to him are under the threshold so that he's able to qualify. And, you know, that's an important thing, too, especially I think that anybody out there that has a, a special needs child or somebody that they're going to have long-term care for uh, in-home in care, keep them with them, should make sure if you have life insurance, if you have a plan for your assets and beneficiaries on your IRAs, should be really be looking into trust planning and doing a special needs trust or an irrevocable life insurance trust where that money gets left where the child or even as an adult, but they would they would have access to the money, but it would not be in their name or in their estate. And this is a common mistake that people have made, right? That can have some some severe ramifications in some cases. Because if if you were to pass and and you have it titled your life insurance proceeds in a way where the death benefit is paid to that child specifically, and not only if they have special needs, but even if they're they're underage as it is. <clears throat> Instead, if you have it set up in a trust, then it can still keep that child eligible for 
some of the programs that they they frankly need. Right? Absolutely. As so long, and that's as a huge. As, as long th- as it's written in the right way, and, yep. and you have the trustees in the right way, because you would never want to put the child on on as the trustee, mm-hmm. um, give them access to make decisions or have control of it, because then it would be considered a part of their estate. So it is it is an important um, part of the planning is really looking into what would happen to their eligibility for other uh, state programs or care uh, care facilities, any of that, because if you're gone. Then there, you know, there there might not be a primary caregiver that's willing to step up, mm-hmm. and even you might appoint somebody that's gonna, you know, say, "Oh, I'll take care of that child when if something were to ever happen to you." But then they phys- physically can't or financially can't. That's where the state's gonna get involved, and then they're gonna look at their assets and they're gonna say, "Well, you're gonna have to spend this down before you get that qualification." So, and, and the the guardian for guardianship issues that can be different than the trustee that is in charge of the assets, so to speak. So, you know, as as you're going through the process, not only with your financial planner or estate planning attorney, right, we'll we'll help you jointly. We're not going to draft any of these special needs trusts. So Jonathan and I are not in the business of that, but giving good advice as far as some of these things to think about when it comes into building a financial plan is, is of course, critically important. And that's what we're trying to hammer home here. Um, So we're not going to draft those things, but thinking about guardian, who's going to be the trustee, right? And, And there's many different things that go into each family's situation there. And, and we can talk through that if, um, if you'd like, of course, in, in person, but those are things to definitely be thinking about. Cause that person who's a caregiver might have a very, very different skill set than somebody who might be more financially savvy, who's going to be in charge of the assets, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, as we're talking about this, it's kind of making me think about what were the barriers that stopped me from doing this even as I became a financial advisor originally is it's very difficult when you have a child that takes up so much time and energy and resources financially to to really focus and do something like this uh, to sit down and do some planning and potentially meet with an estate planning attorney because it's it's overwhelming and you're already overwhelmed and I, I highly recommend for anyone out there that's listening or if they know people who are in that situation to sit down and talk with an advisor like myself or you, Mitch, or really anybody that's trusted that understands these financial concepts, because even though it can be overwhelming, it's not something that isn't, it doesn't take a ton of time to do. It's really putting together a plan and then getting the right legal documents in place. And once you have that, there's a peace of mind about it. And I I can't recommend that enough. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is for these people because I've lived it. But an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And it's it's doubly important when you have a situation like this to have a great estate plan or a great transition of your assets in case of a death to make sure that the things that happen with your money and your resources after you leave this earth, that, they, that you have control of them and they're to the greatest benefit of where you want them to be left. And I know in all those situations, people want to take care of their special needs child you know, as, as well as they can. But if they don't deal with it, if it gets neglected, you don't have a say anymore. And it goes through basically the intestate laws and the state laws on how this is handled. So, so getting out ahead of it is huge. And let's talk a little bit about the special needs trust setup specifically. So with that, if it's funded, let's say by life insurance, proceeds. And and then again, it's for the benefit of the child and they, that money can be then used for their needs, right? 
as kind of defined by by the trust and and the child then can't just go and, and spend that money and it doesn't go directly to them per se. So a lot of times there'll be a, an administrator that will then pay a provider or whatever it is directly, right? So, and John, you can talk about this a little bit, but it isn't just going to go to the child. Again, that's the point of the trust. Whoever is administrating it will determine, hey, the trustee says there's a certain need, whether that child needs some sort of medical equipment or whatever it might be. And then the administrator will take the appropriate funds from the trust and then directly pay for it. So could you talk a little bit about that and, and how just keeping it out of the, the child's account I guess you could say. Um, if you could just talk a little bit about that, John. Well, yeah, and, and the life insurance trust, you know, what we call it is an ILIT, an I-L-I-T. It's an irrevocable life insurance trust. And in that situation, that's one option that you can do. You basically gift money to the trust where the trustee of that trust then purchases life insurance with those funds. And the beneficiary has an option to, you know, take the money or they're obviously not involved, but they, 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 you have to give them that option. There's a letter that has to be um, you know, sent to them notifying that the money's in the trust, and then the trustee then takes that on instruction and, and pays for the life insurance. Now, what happens is when you pass away, and often these are second-to-die policies if there's a couple, when you pass away, the second person to die, the life insurance proceeds go directly into the trust because it's owned by the trust and the beneficiary would have access to these. So they pass income tax-free and estate tax-free because you've gifted the money out of your estate to buy the premium. So it's it's a tax-efficient way to do it, but the best part about it is, is that the child doesn't have that in their name anymore. It's in the trust name. So that trust is then used to be able to help with expenses for that child, but they still would be able to qualify. That's for the life insurance side. And, and real That's quick, an the... Irrevocable the second to die, that, that's typically in a, a married couple setup where, so if there's two spouses, right, the first one dies, that's not triggering the proceeds to be paid yet. It's that second person or second spouse in a, in a married relationship. Correct. Which, so just for those that may have never heard that term before, second to die, that's referring to, to both spouses typically. But, but now in, in, say you have assets that are passing and transferring over into, you know, into a trust, but not directly to the child, um, with the child just being the beneficiary of that trust. Um, that that would be a revocable trust. And in that situation, you know, you have to make sure that it's structured the correct way and work with an estate planning attorney to make sure that that those assets are not going to be deemed part of the estate of the special needs child that's going to be looking for the resources. And it, it could be an adult that the child grows up. Either way, there's different qualifications for that, for getting, you know, Medicaid or any of the, any of the help, and whether it's uh, home health, home aid, there's, there's a lot of state resources for that, but they they will take the child's assets first to pay for those before that they get that type of coverage. And again, we're hammering at home here, but the main point of that, right, is to not not by accident disqualify the child from receiving what they need through the different programs that are available to you. So that if there's anything you need to take away, that that's really one of the biggest things there from this entire podcast. Absolutely, and that we we talk with uh, you know our, our family talks with other you know, families out there that have children like this. And it's one of the first things I always ask is, have you heard about the Katie Beckett program? Have you heard about the resources out there? The majority of people that I know that I've encountered have private insurance. So they were unaware that there was help. Even with private insurance, these children can be very expensive. In some cases, it's upwards of a couple hundred thousand dollars a year of, of expenses. And some of it's covered, much of it isn't. But 
most people don't make that kind of income to be able to pay that. And so they need to, to have resources, you know, to help their, their child out. Another thing I think that's important is talking with your other family members about this. Cause let's say that there's some grandparents involved and, and they want to leave some sort of inheritance at some point to their grandchildren. And similar to the point with the parents where if you were to leave it to the child with special needs, that could potentially be an oops too, where, Hey, all of a sudden they're not qualified for, for some of these programs. So I think it's important to have some of these conversations with, with parents, grandparents, right. Other people that might need to know that, Hey, titling on some of these policies and proceeds of, of insurance policies, for example, is, is going to be important. So in that case, you'd want to name the trust, for example, opposed to the, the child directly. Absolutely. Um, the other, the other thing, too, that's important when you're dealing with this stuff is to don't do it in a vacuum or by yourself and try and find everything online. Is consult with people and talk to other people that have been through this because sometimes you're only limited by the scope of what your search engine is giving you. And there are resources not only through financial advisors or estate planning attorneys, but just within the community, especially in Dane County, or through the hospital system that you're with, is talk to them about um, – you know, anything that's out there that they could be potentially seeing if they qualify for uh, to be able to lower some of the cost of the care that they're getting um, or in, in some of the outside programs, too, that maybe it's not just the hospitalization or the doctor's visits, but it's the, you know, speech therapy or occupational therapy and those sort of things. So since so don't do it in a vacuum, don't do it alone is build a team around you of, of, of experts and professionals and, you know, family members that care and attack it together. Yeah. And, and there's other families that are going through some of the same things, right? You can kind of help each other as well, which John has alluded to as well. And, and there are resources out there. I mean, there's, there's something called WISPAC, which is out there. It's an organization in Wisconsin. And that's a way that you can at least start to narrow down some of the estate planning attorneys, for example, that specifically have a focus area around some of these topics. So WISPAC is one thing that, that you can reference as well if you're looking for estate planning attorneys specifically. So, John, we'll try to wrap this up here, but I also want to talk real briefly, slightly tangential, but let's do a quick update on Jake Foundation and what you've done over the years with that, because Jake obviously is is the the child that we've referenced uh, of John's, particularly on this podcast. But let's talk Jake Foundation real quick. Could you, could you tell me some of the impact that you've had, not only in Jake's life, but also others as well through that? Well, the foundation that we started several years ago, we've had, you know, 11 golf outings for it and have raised just around $300,000, about 200000 of that after we created the 501c3 uh, titled the Jake Foundation. And we've been able to donate money directly to the Children's Hospital, usually about 5000 a year here at the American Family Children's Hospital to do things like the um, positive image center to be able to support that where they make wigs for the kids it's kind of piggybacked off of what catch does um the superheroes that uh were, were washing the windows that was uh, our you know funding was able to help towards that if you that haven't really cool seen day. this look it up it's really cool and uh yeah we, we really enjoyed that and jake loved seeing that too um we've been able to sponsor nine wishes for the make a wish foundation uh to date now the issue we're going through right now is that with COVID, you know, we, we can't have our golf outing this year. So even though we are a 501c3 and, and uh, a nonprofit and, you know, can still take donations, our biggest outing is that's probably the biggest thing that we have for a fundraiser for the year. 
so it's paused until next year. So that's kind of a difficult thing for me personally because I've been doing this, you know, for a while, and to have to take take a year off because of that is hard. But with COVID, we're in a new, you know, time period. There's a lot of businesses that were shut down and can't do the fund rate, you know, the funding for sponsorships like they could. But we will be back next year, and we'll be continuing to support in the community. And I know Jake is excited uh, to, that we're going to be, you know, returning it back in the year 2021. So the Jake Foundation Golf Outing will be back in 2021, yeah. and we on Give Me Some Truth will be back next week. It might not be John and I, but well, someone I will be on vacation. I will it be definitely will not be John. Yes. I can state that for a fact. But we will be back in about a week. Could be Nate. Could be Clint. Could be Keith. Could be Hannah. Could be a guest. To be determined. So stay tuned. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And please reach out if there's any friends, family, or or yourselves that find yourself in a situation caring for a special needs child. You gotta leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.